live from Mighty Trapdoor Mansion. Hi, it's Hot Tit Hill. It's We Talk Games Video Power Magazine. Featuring Frank Hemblin, Horace Pengrove, William Bentley III, with Stinky the Game Master, T.T. Schmootkins, Tishka Honeypot, Alex Greenspan, and Cut Cockburf. And now we talk games! We talk games. Here it comes! Yeah! We talk games! Mostly go to the John. I am Wiggly. This is what we call We Talk Games Arcade Weekly, where we talk about one arcade game a week. And this time it's June 1st. No, it isn't. Is it June 1st? Mine is well. Well, it's the 1st of Juno. No, I fucked that up. It hey. is May 4th. <laughs> it's May 4th. But today it's going to be June 1st, though, of some sorts. Spoiler alert! We're starting off a big concert series. Yeah. The June of Sound. Wait, Howard March? Howard Rit Team. <sighs> we Talk Games Spring Concert Series. Spring Concert Series. Powered by Rit Team. Rosenstein's Information Technology and Enriched Elbow Macaroni. That's Pick right. it up in your store today. Mm. It's, it's in the non-dairy aisle. It's macaroni. <laughs> it is macaroni. With a $3 coupon for an on-site tech visit. <laughs> As I mentioned, I am Wiggly. I am sitting on the toilet. My poo-poo pal, Kyle Von Kubik, is also on the toilet today. That's me. And on the other Skype pipe is Robo Duke. Keith the Robo Duke. Hey, guys. What's up? Are you on the toilet? I'm actually just standing at a urinal right now. Oh, okay, okay. In the uh, a local Sunoco gas bathroom. Save me a urinal cake. You got any pro player tips uh, standing in a urinal? This is something that boggles my mind constantly. Like, is there any good way to piss in a urinal so the splashback is at the most reduced? Mm, I don't know. I think they need to, like, give you a little target. Someone should uh, scientifically figure that out. Yeah, put a nice little target on there to aim for so you know not to get a splashback on your trousers. It's That's already right. been done, actually. The Hello Kitty urinal cake in Japan reduced tinkle splash by, like, 90% or some ridiculous rate. <laughs> so 100% you, game talk, no filler. Well, Hello Kitty is, is, is a video game. One of the shittiest video game franchises next to Barbie. Is that the one where she uh, roller skates around and hits things with a wand or something? There's so many Hello Kitty games that are just... I would rather hit myself in the head with a ball-peen hammer that has Hello Kitty on the side. <laughs> they do make those. Our Rit Team Palooza is kicking off with... A, wow, we're kicking off big. Yeah, Anamata Gucci. Oh, Anamata Gucci. With Endless Fantasy. Amazing. And you'll hear that at the end of the show. If you don't want to hear this shit, just skip to the end. <laughs> <clears throat> 
today. How do I do that now? I want to, I want to hear the Anamanaguchi. Okay, well, you skip ahead. We do have that Rit Team Tachyon Radio, so Ooh. we can actually tune in to the end of our show before we record it to know if it went well or not. Wow. But I don't have it on me because it blowed up. Mm. Today's game, according to the clue that we gave last year, mm. on, is this a monthly? It's weekly. Oh my God, what the fuck were we thinking? <laughs> Today's game is going to be, as I gave it away about 30,000 times in the beginning of the show, 1983's Juno First. Not Juno Fist, not June 1st, not other thing that might have made sense. Juno First by Konami 1983. This is a game where you get Ellen Page pregnant. <laughs> Don't ruin my funnies. Jeez, oh, stinky. It's been a long time since you've been on the show. I wrote a couple jokes. Oh, uh, okay. And I'm also on the shitter. <laughs> Very good. Double decker. Uh, that reminds me, I you know, we have three toilets in the trapdoor mansion. Chiz had to go poop downstairs, although girls don't poo. I had to go poo, so I went up to my upstairs poo. And then I was like, ah, oh, shit, you know, we should synchronize our flushes, and then our turds will kiss. <laughs> <laughs> How romantic. Yeah, you? I'm just a romanticist. So Juno first. This is a this is a sh- shooter. What happened uh, to Stinky's jokes? Uh, Keith ruined them. Oh yeah, but yeah, it, yeah. It, it might make its way in here. Right. Stole his jokes. Yeah, the hell. So, sorry, yeah. Stink. he's an old man. You know, you got to throw him a bone sometime, or else he'll be on here more often. Juno first by Konami. Now let me just put a little bit of making mechanics in here, so we get a perspective on when 1983 actually was. Because you might not know what year this was. I graduated. I was born. <laughs> I was one. Oh, so no one was negative one. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Kyle, you were zero, I guess. I was. Space Invaders came out in 1978. Uh, we're going to go back there with that. Because why not? I guess you have to, right? Mm-hmm. With a shooter, with a gun, and a spaceship, and a things. Then we had Galaxian in 1979. I bring these up because they're somewhat similar. There's nothing exactly like this. Berserk came out in 1980 by Atari. And Stern, mm-hmm. also Atari and Williams... A little bit of double dip in there came out with Defender in 1980. A lot of the same sounds in Berserker and Defender. Yeah. And unusually large amount of sounds in Juno first from both Galaxian and Berserker. And even a little bit from Space Invaders, maybe. Maybe you definitely the, pew, say pew. the design. The design? Yeah, the, well, a- Defender. the little alien enemies look kind of similar to an evolution of the original Space Invader enemy guys. Oh, you think that? Also because it goes pew, pew. Yeah, and same noises. Yeah, yeah. definitely. But uh, Berserker and Defender are emulated in this title, which came out three years later than both of those in many ways. And we'll get into that. Stargate came out in 1981 even. So Jarvis was making Stargate already two years before Juno first came out. Hey, what about Eugene Jarvis? He's, he doesn't want to come in on show. I know. I wish he would. Yeah. He's wish too we- busy getting sued by Atari now. <laughs> Is he now? Yeah. Steve Ritchie said he was going to set us up with him, and then he forgot who I was. (laughs) He's the only reason I got on that LinkedIn, you know? My brother had to make a comment about your LinkedIn photo, by the way. Good, because (laughs) all I do is keep getting these requests from professionals. I'm there with gaffer tape over my nipples and an X and getting kisses from a Japanese fan with hearts flying around. And people still want to be my my linked. 
I'm yeah. like, what do I have to do to not let that? Do I have to have a picture of my hairy butt with a poop coming out and saying hi? Satan's Hollow, I bring up 1982 by Bally. Uh, not because the game is similar, but because the game is as innovative. Satan's mm-hmm. Hollow really brought a lot of innovation, like the building part. Uh, well, of course, we talked to Guy that built that. They had to squeeze like all this stuff into this teeny, tiny, teeny, tiny thing with the voice and the everything. Well, that was Steve Ritchie, Ritchie too, right? Oh, yeah, it was. Oh, yeah, I think so. Well, maybe. I don't know, because I don't know any Steve Ritchie anymore. I bring up Yard's Revenge as well, 1982, for the Atari 2600, the VCS. Now, Howard Scott Warshaw created Yars Revenge, and that came out a year before Juno first. I just think it has some of the same type of feel. You're not doing the same things, but I don't know, something about it reminds me of, and by the way, uh, Yars Revenge was the best-selling in-house game by Atari. Mm. Of course, you know, third parties were like Pac-Man and Space Invaders and stuff. And then we had Juno first by Konami in 1983. Then we had Juon in the year 2000, which was a horror movie, The Grudge. And then we had Juno in 2007. And that's Stinky's joke. And it was ruined. <laughs> by the way, I want to bring up uh, 1992's Axelay by Konami, which is the same type of feel. And we'll talk about this first person, forced perspective, sort of three quarter overhead, ships coming over the limb. And Axelay is a very good game, very difficult game. I think that uh, Juno first, <laughs> actually, and then the Juno second was the film where she gets pregnant. Um, Juno first, I think, has a little more play mechanic to it. And because I bring up 1992's Axelay, I have to just say 1991's Zoom game, Phalanx, Phalanx. Not at all similar side-strolling shooter, Mm. but there's an old man playing a banjo as their cover design, (laughs) which is brilliant, and it's called Phalanx. And then some other vector games that I can't remember what their names are. I'd like to add... Gyrus 1983 to the mix, Great. also put out by Konami. Great idea. Just because of the perspective, and, and much like Juno First, you see the enemies in the background, and they approach or you approach them in Juno First. And then Night Driver 1976. Uh, some people might think I'm joking no, I, when I, I say that, but to me, when I was playing Juno First for the first time, I had this Night Driver vibe because uh, on the plane of the... Uh, the the play field, there are these dots that help give the appearance of this perspective moving forward and backward, similar to how it was done by Night Driver in 1976 when they had the overlay of a car sitting on top of the screen and it was just white dots on a black background. Indeed, that sort of plays into some of the Vectrix types of games I was thinking of too. They had a driving game as well, but they had a lot of first, you know, like your Star Wars and your Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Hey, did you hear about that new uh, Star Wars Enterprise movie that's going to be coming out? They yeah, had a trailer for Groot. it. You got the Ewoks, Houdini, Bosk, and uh, <laughs> he went deep. Lobot is going to be in the movie, perhaps uh, Sly Snoodle, or did he die in Return of the Jedi? I can't recall. I just hope Salacious Crumb gets his comeuppance in this movie. Yeah, he escapes, you know. It's a little-known yeah. fact. Oh, uh, Veruca Salt is in it. She swings by a Tarzan rope. We have Dr. Hooves with Derpy Hooves. I saw Harry Potter. He's going against the Mugwise. Houdini! Houdini! And then there was the Ewok Christmas special. Houdini! The battle for Endor with the little guy who runs really fast. And also those It It's. 
Yeah, that's about it. That's all I remember. I want to say, uh, when I first started playing this, because I would say I don't have as much uh, arcade knowledge as you two do. Of course. You guys are definitely the masters of your realm, your domain. But uh, I immediately thought of Galaga because I didn't realize I could move forward and backwards. Uh-huh. <laughs> and yeah, that's I, the whole part of this game. <laughs> yeah, I, I literally... <laughs> played this game at first without moving forwards and backwards at all. <laughs> the game was probably like, what the fuck is this guy doing? Come on, It must man. have been so I, slow for you. Yeah, I'm just waiting for the enemies to come <laughs> over the horizon at me. And I'm like, oh, this, I'm like, this game's kind of slow, but I'm having kind of fun. Space Invaders, Galaga kind of feel. And then when you get to the third level and the enemies start moving past you because I'm not moving forwards or backwards. Yeah. You like went this- three levels without moving? <laughs> yes. And I'm like, this game is so freaking cheap. The enemies go down the screen behind you. You can't see them anymore. <laughs> and that's what they do in Galaga, too. They, they circle around. Yeah. But we talked about Kingdom Grand Prix, and this conveys such speed. Now, remember, we're talking about 1983, and the graphics are not as developed as some of its contemporaries around that time. But we are talking about Tempest 2000, which came out in 1994, by the way. Jeff Minter by... And Dave Therer, we can't leave him out, for the Atari Jaguar, because you have that sort of pixelmation blow-up stuff going on. But as you mentioned, Kyle, it's a bunch of dots that make up the horizon. There's a limb of the Earth. You see these square-looking ships while they're beyond the horizon. And then as they come down into the play field, which is sort of this three-quarter, I guess it's almost first, it's first D person. They come down there, but you constantly have these sort of grids and sensation of speed because these dots are moving towards you. And that's why it reminds me of vector games because vector games are just a bunch of dots. And then um, the hardware draws in lines. And that's why you could do all the scaling and all other types of things because it's uh, very low on memory overhead opposed to raster graphics because it's just a bunch of dots. And then, like I mentioned, the computer draws in the lines, and then you have a sweet-looking game. This is a vertical shooter. It's important to stress that if you are emulating it, you want to emulate it at the correct pixel aspect ratio because it is vertical, but the game itself is played on almost a horizontal perspective with creeping towards that horizon line. A lot of people I've seen who post Let's Plays of this are playing it stretched out, and I don't think mm. it conveys the perspective as well when it is stretched out and turned the wrong direction. It's vertical. Make sure it's the right pixel aspect ratio, and I think the sensation of speed and uh, perspective plays a lot better in its natural form. Luckily, I have this as a part of my cocktail table. It's one of the games that's included. Mm-hmm. Short of playing the physical cabinet, that's as close as I'm going to get to playing it in the arcade. And it plays really well. And yes, I agree that for 1983, the graphics are slightly dated, but this is the, one of those types of games that we've talked about in the past where it's like a pure arcade game. Oh, man, you ain't kidding. And so I don't have any critiques of the art because it just works for what this game is. It is simplistic. The background is just black with these white dots moving. But I had my friend, a friend of the show as well, Adam, come over and we were playing it together a couple weeks ago. And he said, oh, man, look at this parallax scrolling. And I'm like, it's not parallax. It just it has that vibe and that feel about it. And it's, it's pretty creative of what they were able to do. And I guess because of its limitations and because they uh, they were able to do the tricks that they 
were to make this 3D perspective happen, that's what holds this game up, that it's very playable today. And I think it ages very well, despite its graphical limitations. I do too. It's a a lot of fun. The sense of speed you mentioned, Wiggly, is really good. It it, it does simulate a space dogfight especially once you get to the fourth level and the guys start shooting missiles that seek you out. Yes. You find you have to move around a lot more. I have a really hard time getting past the fourth level. I think the farthest I've got is five or six. But uh, And that's when it, you start doing your more Galaxian patterns and things like right. that as well, which is amazing that that started to be thrown in. I, I wasn't expecting that part. And scary. It's Ackham. Not Wait, in- I'm Ackamine. Oh, sorry. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Uh, God damn. It's not an easy game to get a handle on. It takes, uh, definitely say it takes a lot of practice and skill to even get past the fourth level because that's where it throws you a curveball with those uh, heat-seeking missiles. Yeah, let's, they, let's also bring up the fact that this is not one-button wee-wee action. Yeah, you no, might it think isn't. it is. There's actually a second button, and that's where it ties in sort of to asteroids in that it has a hyperspace button, which they call warp. Right. And you're given two warps, I believe, which go down to zero. So it's uh, you have one, and then you go back <laughs> one to one, and then you have none. Yeah, which that was also in Defender and Stargate, I believe. That's true. Yeah, yeah. You, you could you could do that. The, this works really well because it's not just a hyperspace into guess where I don't know. You can actually be moving around while you're invisible and have a good idea where you're going to warp back to on the play field. That's important because a lot of times when these bombs and when these fast bullets are coming at you, you need to hit that warp. There's another button I didn't even know. <laughs> I know. I've been playing this game completely wrong. Yes, you you, you don't know there's up and down and you don't know there's a second button. I didn't know. I still, what the heck? Man, yeah, when things get too tense uh, on the field, which again, there is a sharp incline of difficulty that Keith mentioned in the third and fourth stage. That's when the warp button really comes in handy. Too many things are coming at you, mm-hmm. and the galactic space dance that starts happening with some of these formations, you got to get out of the way. That so is galactic button, dancing. Warp out, and you can move a little bit, and then you can warp back in. So Keith has to go back and replay this game. Yeah, I think I might have an easier time at it. If, and uh, surprisingly, the warps are enough to get through a level. Yeah. Two might seem like that's not enough, but it was funny how the level ended and I only had to use one or two of my warps, mm-hmm. even though all the shit was flying at me. Yeah, and I think what you were alluding to is in Stargate and Defender, when you use that button, a lot of times it would warp you into an enemy and mm-hmm. kill you. There's a lot of crossover between Defender oh. and this game. Like we, we said about the sound effects, yeah. even the death animation, you dematerialize or you blast into these different particles that mm. spread out across the screen. The sound effects just really ring of Defender. And if this was Konami's answer to Defender, it was awesome. It was a great way to take that formula and expound upon it. I just don't think it gets enough praise or attention as Defender does. When I stumped... Did I bring this one up? I think I did. I threw it in there because... Oh, you did? You you can take credit for it. It's cool. I take credit for everything you do. (laughs) People think I do everything. I try to push that back, you know. We wouldn't be a show without you. I would have left it dead. (laughs) <laughs> and even before I killed it, it was mostly you moving the shows along with the guests and everything else. Let's talk a little bit about the enemies. We have the 150-point enemy. We have the 300-point guy. 
Yes. Uh, we have 150s. We have the other 150. Konami, <laughs> unlike some of the other developers we talked about in the past, were very efficient with their enemies. Who gives a fuck what their names are? Shoot them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they are pretty neat ones. I mean, you know the differences. There's this red octopus guy. He's a 150. And then there's this blue buggy looking type. Oh, that's another game we didn't bring up was like Centipede or Millipede. I didn't think of that, but now that you mention it, I could see a connection there. Okay. Yeah, and the forward-backward motion on the field. Yes. True. It's so hard to talk about this game because it is a true arcade game. So it's sort of like talking about Pac-Man. You know, people know Pac-Man. People know Space Invaders. We're not going to do a show on Space Invaders because you say Space Invaders and people immediately know. People should immediately know what this is because it's so much of an arcade game, meaning that an arcade game is a game that you go to at any time. You really don't get sick of it. I mean, you could. You could get burned out on pretty much anything but right. you could always return to it and it's always going to satisfy you gonna offer you a challenge it's not necessarily going for any type of big goal or get to the end which doesn't really matter true arcade game in, in every sense of the word then you have some different types of spaceships green ones purple ones blue ones orange ones and then there's these balls these blue balls that have purple polka dots on them those are 500 points And then when you hit that, uh, you get your little mystery thing that comes out, which to me looks like some fat guy. (laughs) He looks like a little uh, (laughs) spaceman. And that uh, that reminded me a lot of Defender of uh, trying to shoot things and rescue rescue the guys. Right. And it's very important to get him because when you do, you pretty much kick ass. And it's very hard to get killed. once. I don't know why it's hard to get killed once you get to that level. I mean, all you're doing is shooting longer laser beams. You you know what actually I've noticed happens is when you get that power up, the enemies stop shooting at you and start retreating. And they actually start going backwards and running away from you. It's sort of like Mario getting the star and the enemies are just like, oh shit, run away. Gotcha. You get a, uh, a point bonus for grabbing them, and then you actually get 200 points on top of the point metric that you would get from the enemy. So it's a it's a multiplier, it's a power-up, and yeah, much like a Starman, there's this sort of uh, flashing of the screen and music cue that you're powerful now. True. And you do kick ass when you grab the astronaut. Oh man, do you? You know what's interesting is that I don't really care what my stats are in this game. It's more about just enjoying it while I'm playing it. I, I agree. I yeah, agree with that. Sometimes just how high can you get beating Billy Mitchell and stuff? I don't know how we could improve on this. Yeah, I had trouble thinking of that as well because in the past I've talked about games where there's these, I call them zen moments, where you're playing the game almost semi-consciously. Mm-hmm. Like your brain and the kinetics of the game and everything's just sort of clicks. You're not thinking about moving you're just doing it like your reflexes just fall in line with the game and this is the type of game that does that for me and while i'm playing it no i I didn't care about my score i i was trying to kick ass definitely Mm -hmm. and i was trying to see how far i could get but i was just it's very satisfying you know uh, a lot of times i complain about having to hit the fire button and in this game you have to hit the fire button you can't just hold it down but for this type of game, because of those kinetics and the sound effects and how that's coupled together mm. as you're moving through the stage, hitting that button has a very satisfying, powerful feeling when you're firing each time. Each time I'm hitting that button and throwing a laser down the field and destroying an enemy, 
there's just a good connection here. And I don't know if that's for you guys as well, but for me, that's what makes this game very difficult to critique because, yeah, of course, for 1983, the graphics could be a little better, but I wouldn't change them. I like everything that this game does. It's actually a semi-assisted fire button, so you'll get maybe two or three shots from each time you press a button, which is a mechanic that I really like. Now, I'm not sure if that only happens when you have the laser or if it's uh, full-time because I forgot to take notice of that, but I did notice that every time you press a button, it would do a short burst. If you're a fast fingerer, (laughs) (laughs) yes. Yeah, then you do that. Finger blaster is what you're trying to say. Exactly. That's what my lady tells me. Right. With the firing, uh, I feel like that's a real fine line in I'm games. I'm glad you knew there was a fire button in this game. <laughs> yes. <laughs> He's just I going actually, back and forth. spent the first 10 minutes just dodging the enemies. <laughs> Did you know there was a second level in Mario? <laughs> I'm not Ralph Lewis. <laughs> I've got past level one. But uh, the difference between pressing a button to fire and holding it, I feel is a fine line because in some games, just holding the button can make it boring. You feel like the only thing you're really doing is maneuvering. Otherwise, there's no aiming involved. And well, you can't just jam on the button in this. You do still have to time some shots to get them right. And it, the feel of that is so good. Yeah, that's why I like the semi-assisted. The only, like, it's really weird because the only other game I could say that is like this there must be other ones, but is Axelay. And that's the same formula here, except that now you're playing with power. <laughs> like you guys said, I would uh, not change anything about this game because it is something uh, for people who never got to experience arcades in the 80s and 90s and what the feel of a classic arcade game is. And if you don't want to just say go play Pac-Man or go play Galaga or something, I think this is something uh, great and uh, off the mainstream grid for people to give a try and get that feel. Right. Most people have played Galaga and to a lesser extent, Defender, and uh, maybe to a lesser extent, Berserk, or things like that. But they've played Pac-Man, Space Invaders, etc. So this is this is right in there, a game that you can easily pick up. Make sure you move around that play field, because going forward, going backwards to try to get some of the enemies that fly past you that are higher in point values, you want to try to back up and get them, and then that's all very tense, because when you don't have a rearview mirror, when you're trying to move back and you see the whole play field go in this perfect type of sensation of being above the ground. It's like your ship moves perfectly with you being above this just dots, you know, dotted play field. But it gives you the sensation that you're really above the ground because of yeah. the differentiation, the differentiate, the different speeds that you move. Right. I also want to mention ball blazer. Because I couldn't think of the name uh, the other couple shows ago, which was 1986 by Lucas. George Lucas did this. Lucasfilm Games. Surprisingly, he didn't kill sled soccer on a checkerboard. <laughs> I, can I just? Or maybe this? he did. I, I don't, don't want to crap on this game, but this oh, is wow. what Zaxxon was trying to be. You think like, so? Zaxxon was trying to give that 3D feel, and I feel like this game achieved it a lot better. Yeah. And I don't always felt like the perspective in Zaxxon is that weird, like uh, diagonal sort of perspective where this is head on. I always felt like I was in control of the ship. I always felt like I was in control of what was happening. I felt like deaths were on me. And uh, Zaxxon, I never felt that way. I always felt like it was it was just hard to wrap my brain around that weird perspective. I'm impressed by Zaxxon for what mm-hmm. they did with raster graphics. Mm-hmm. But Juno first with less did more. 
It's always the uh, admirable thing about games back in the day, being able to give you that feel of a space dogfight with dots on a black screen. It's fantastic. I didn't see the poster art for this. Oh, it's pretty rad. Is it Jurassic, though? <laughs> yeah, it's Jurassic. I mean, do they? But is it like women with their boobs out and uh, flying <laughs> no, around in space? It, no, it's with, not uh, Moon War. Okay. <laughs> it's not the Moon War flyer. Does it at all represent what you're actually doing, or is it all, you know, rendered? It's space battle happening. They would have just uh, copied a drawing of the ships from Battlestar Galactica, because that's what it kind of looks like from the top down. Mm. Yeah, it's kind of like that. I mean, this game had several ports, too, so there's all different interpretations of it. It had an MSX port, a C64, Atari 800, Atari 2600. But basically, it's a spaceship shooting lasers at other spaceships, and there's stars around it in every interpretation of the cartridge art flyer and whatnot. Okay, good. It's not Towering Inferno truth of advertising, but it's <laughs> no, very, it's it's very close. Okay. It's not Phalanx. <laughs> no, it's not Banjo and Space Happening. Old Banjo Man. It looks like Old ZZ man Top's dad sitting on the porch. <laughs> I have no idea what they were thinking. I remember seeing that advertisement in Nintendo Power oh, and being like, what is this game? That's not even Japanese weird. And I no, mean, just stupid. It's just, <laughs> just like, stupid. It's just like, I think that guy that's on there put up the money for this game to be released. And he said, I just take a picture of me on my porch. It's Phalanx. Enough, like the title. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like the title Phallus. tells you nothing about the game. Ma, then- please pick me up the game Phallus. It'll have a fat old banjo playing gray bearded man on it. Mom, get me that game Phalanx. I think it's about Roman warriors or the Trojans or something. <laughs> right, don't for forget Heineco Alien as well. It's one of my favorite games. Everyone right. in the play, play yard is talking about. I think that wraps it up. I think well, we did all right. It's, I think it's just hard. It's a game you got to go out and play. Yeah. And you're going to love it for its minimalism and its complexity. Another game that just popped in my mind is Clax. Because you get to see these enemy ships above the limb, and they just sort of look like Clax blocks. You see what color they are, so you know what type of ship they're going to be, and to try to position yourself when they come over the limb and start being in the play field, so you could try to get the astronaut or what have you. Space Invaders crossed with Galaga with Defed. It's a shooter. Now, did you say Spaced Invaders? Because that's a much different game. Oh, is there a difference between Space and Spaced? Yeah, you remember Spaced Invaders for the for the Dreamcast? No. Kyle, that- it's sort of like a sort of like a point and click type of adventure game. Oh really? Spaced Invader. Yeah, I mean I don't think you point and click, but it Was it based off me- the movie Spaced Invaders? <laughs> it might have been. I'm, I'm seriously no, asking. I, I don't the only think other so. Thing I know. That's not the movie about the four I little found- alien guys. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. And you know what? That movie reminds me of Phalanx because they they fly past like a dude sitting on a porch. And they crash into a farm. Oh, maybe that's, that's where what they... they were trying to convey with that box art. But that's not how you sell a video game in the 90s. And Wiggly, I'm th- I think you're thinking of Stupid Invaders. Oh, I am. Yeah. I am thinking of Stupid Invaders. Don't play that. You don't like that one? I don't know. They're pretty stupid. No, I remember <laughs> I remember lolling at that game before lol was happening. And now here's T.T. Schmookins with next week's We Talk Games Video Power Magazine Arcade Weekly Arcade Game Audio Clue. Hello, I am T.T. Schmookins. Here is next week's We Talk Games Video Power Magazine 
Arcade Weekly, Arcade Game Audio Clue. Good luck, dudes. All right, what's your clue for next week's show? I'll go first. <laughs> I didn't know Frank Belmont could climb up a tree. Oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go with, thank you, I'm in debt to you. I'm looking you right stole at my clue. I'm looking right at that. Isn't that funny? <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at that screen right now. <laughs> and the and the T O is right under the B T in debt. <laughs> yeah. Weird splitting and kerning here. It's like they're playing Scrabble. My clue is Rygar? Is that you? Alright. <laughs> well now you know what it is. Yeah. So why even tune in next week? I'll tell you why. First spring buckle buckle decker no the 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 WTGSCS the We Talk <laughs> Games Spring Concert Series. Brought to you by Rateem. Rosenstein's information technology and enriched elbow macaroni. Tastes like info. <laughs> Here comes Anamanaguchi with Endless Fantasy. Check them out on Facebook, Twitter, their website, SoundCloud. They're everywhere. They're in the show notes. A-N-A-M-A-N-G-U-C-H-I, Anamanaguchi. Kyle loves to spell, if you hadn't noticed that. Hey, don't be a jerk all the time, everybody. Until next time, here's Anamanaguchi's. Anamanaguchi's.